Man, it's great to have you guys here this morning, and uh, it's good to already be worshiping with you in so many ways, celebrating who our King is. This morning, we are launching a new sermon series. It's called Gospel Deep. Do you recognize that word? Right, Gospel Deep, right? So we started in Romans last year, 1 through 11, and each of our series started with the phrase, Gospel Deep. This one is Gospel Deep, His Glory Lived Out. All right, we're in Romans 12 through 16, and just so you know, Romans 12 through 16 is significantly different in content and tone to verses than chapters 1 through 11. All right. 1 through 11 is very vertical, very doctrinal, very truth centered on who God is in our lives and what we need to know about him to get things right with him and his work on the cross. That's Romans 1 through 11. Life with our amazing God because of his work for us. That's gospel deep, right? 12 through 16. So how should that affect my life in this world? And uh, maybe let's say it this way. Romans 1 through 11, love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind. Romans 12 through 16, and love your neighbor as yourself. All right? That's kind of how it plays out. And really, if you call to one another's before you've gotten the gospel... You're just muscling it, man. You're just faking it. You're trying to make things happen and things could be sort of warm and cordial. But in the end, our heart isn't being transformed. And so really God's not getting his full impact in our soul. And so our challenge is in light of the gospel. Don't forget where we've been in light of the gospel, Romans 1 through 11. What's it going to look like to live life one with another? All right. Gospel deep, his glory lived out. That's where we're going actually through this series and through this year. This is going to be a giant one another's year. It's going to be learning all about how to care for and work with and partner with one another in a varieties of ways, shapes and forms. All right. It's all about one another. Everybody say one another. That's what it's all about. We're going to be working through that this year, all right? We're not losing sight of where we come from, please. Let's not forget it is absolutely vertical worship first and foremost. Now, how do I love my neighbors myself, all right? So turn with me, if you will, to Romans chapter 12, starting in verse 1. We got ushers coming forward. They've got Bibles in their hands. If you need a Bible, just raise your hand. They'll get one to you. Uh, Romans 12, right at the beginning of the chapter. And uh, we titled this, Living for Him. This is kind of that transition passage that moves us from vertical to horizontal, from worship of our God to caring for one another, all right? Living for him. We're starting in Romans 12, verse 1. And uh, first point, what are we supposed to do? There's actually three points here this morning. Hopefully you'll recognize a couple of these words. The first point is worship. Present yourselves to God as living sacrifices. Worship. Present yourselves to God as living sacrifices. He says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. That's the first verse. And uh, I appeal to you. He's like, I'm pleading with you. That's what some of your scriptures say, some of your translations are. I'm, I'm longing that you know this. I appeal to you. I'm anxiously asking that you grasp this. I'm not just saying, hey, could you check this out? It's way more than that. I appeal to you, right? Therefore, and when we see the therefore, we say, 
right? It's a connecting word and it's saying because of what you've just been through, here's some things you need to know or be going after. And what is the therefore, therefore? Well, it's connecting the end of Romans 11 to the beginning of Romans 12. Let me just read that to you again here. The end of Romans 11. Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. He ends it with, for from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. I appeal to you, therefore. You hearing it? Like, it's all about you. You are so awesome, God, and everything in you and the depth of the riches and can't even get to the bottom of it. There's so much of you. And because of that, here's what we need to be going after. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God to present your bodies as living sacrifices by the mercies of God. Uh, Probably no better way to define the gospel message than that phrase. By the mercies of God, him holding back punishment rightly deserved, right? We should have been punished. We're standing in rebellion. We're doing our own thing. We're going our own way. We're making much of self. And well, the right reaction to that would be punishment. And and yet God has a merciful reaction instead. Uh, I'm holding that back. I'm putting that penalty on me and on the cross And for those who have trusted in Christ as Savior said, Lord, please forgive me. Please use your work on the cross, your shed blood. Please forgive me. Well, there is mercy. There is forgiveness. And the penalty due us now is merited out on the cross instead. And we have freedom in Christ by the mercies of God. And notice it's plural there. Uh, In other words, it's not just about the work on the cross, but all the rest that's going on, all the interaction of our God and his compassionate heart for you as he's pouring it on you by the mercies of God. That's what's motivating Paul. He's like, I'm telling you, I'm fired up about what God's doing in my life and uh, fired up about what he's doing in your life. So here's what I'm calling you to do. You ready? Here's the call to action. Present your bodies as living sacrifices. Present your bodies as living sacrifices. Let's break it down. The word present in the original language there, this was a priestly term. It meant go before the altar and offer it up like a sacrifice, okay? A priestly presentation. Present. You are a priest and you're presenting an offering. The offering is you. You're coming before the Lord and you're saying, because of everything you've done, Lord, take me, whatever you want done, me, I'm handing it over, you're in charge, you are Lord of all, I'm presenting myself to you, take me, God, I'm a living sacrifice for you, and uh the word living there is a big deal, all right? Why? Because Christ already paid the sacrifice of death. The death sacrifice is through Jesus Christ on the cross, and he is risen from the dead. There is victory over sin. There is victory over death. We have hope through Jesus Christ our Lord. No more death sacrifice offered. And all of God's people said... 
So all we have left to offer is a living sacrifice. Lord, how do you want me to live this thing out? What you have so awesomely paid, what do you now want me to go after that you might get the honor and the glory? We are living sacrifices on a daily basis. And uh, isn't it sad how often we're like, yeah, except for today. Today I'm kind of living for me again. And we take ourselves right back off of the offering and the altar and we're like, I'm going to go after a lot of glory today. Can't wait to have people see how awesome I am. And and all of a sudden we're all about glorifying ourselves instead of our God. And uh, man, this is a regular, ongoing, present tense. Please present on an ongoing way your bodies as a living sacrifice. Holy and acceptable. Holy, set apart, unique, uh, righteous for God to use. Acceptable. And uh, I just wrote this for acceptable. Uh, an, un, an acceptable worship is undistracted, unselfish, unwavering. That is holy and acceptable. Undistracted, unselfish, unwavering. You're like, Lord, I'm offering me up. Nothing's taking me off of this for you, God. I will stay focused for you and for your glory as much as I can be, Lord. I'm on this. And Lord, every moment I get distracted, please forgive me. I'm coming right back at this. This is my commitment. And uh, unwavering, I will not give up on this goal. That's our job and uh, holy and acceptable, which is your spiritual worship. Some of your passages say, which is your spiritual act of service. And uh, the word used there is a word that reflects on worshiping our God by our actions that we take into place, by what we go after. And uh, Lord, may my actions, may my attitudes, may my words, may my everything worship you. And uh, how often we end up living life where we're like, oh, no, they didn't. Right. And I, you went and did that to me. I will not be nice to you now. I will not live the way I, I will not be forgiving. I w- you will reap it. That's what will happen. Right. And, and then you start talking it through. And the first things they're saying is, well, you right as they. Try to justify own poor behavior by attacking out. And man, let's not be that. May we absolutely be sold out for our God and our Savior. May we live it for him no matter what the people around us are doing. That was a good spot for an amen. And all of God's people said, that's it, man. It's this simple. I will be unwavering because I am not measuring my commitment against the guy next to me. I am measuring my commitment internal and I'm giving it to you, God. Spiritual act of worship. Let's bring it on fire for him. And uh, undistracted, unselfish, unwavering. Spiritual act of worship. Uh, I just wrote these three words down next to spiritual worship. Uh, It will require your best effort. Effort. Spiritual act of worship. Best effort. It will require balance. Dude, it isn't always just about pouring it on and working and serving and serving and working and working and serving until you drop. 
There is a resting in the Lord. There is a relaxing. There is a laughing and a smiling and an enjoying of life that God also calls us to. And a balance in that. And uh, picture a giant teeter-totter, right? And there is a resting and there is a best effort working. And uh, some of us are great at the resting. And some of us are great at the working. Few of us are great at both. And that's a true spiritual act of worship. Knocking it out of the park and being able to rest in your Lord and serve him with all you've got. All right. Best effort, balance. And I just put this as the last one. Sacrifice. You are driven for God in his glory, not yourself in your glory. Sacrifice. Those are three great words for the spiritual worship. Effort, balance, and sacrifice. That God might be glorified. And uh, There was a guy in the 1600s. True story. Uh, he was a well-to-do Englishman, and uh, he was taken captive by some pirates. And uh, you don't hear that kind of story nowadays, do you? He was taken captive by some pirates, and in fact, they used him as a slave. For years, he was a slave. While he was in slavery with them, he was looking around, and he was one of the few educated ones. He um, had studied much. He knew the Bible well. He was saved. He was a believer. He saw a ton of need amongst the other slaves. So he began to share Christ with them in any way he could. He carried load with them. He worked with them. In fact, he started teaching them scripture, even started a church with them. He ended up bringing many people to a saving faith in Jesus Christ as God did a huge work through him underground in the slavery movement. And while he's working with the pirate slaves, running a church for them and seeing many be saved, his brother is working on the outside to try to get him freed. Finally, his brother got connected with the right people and they finally got connected with the right people and so on. And and the pirates agreed, all right, we're going to let him go. And they came and told him, your brother's gotten you freed, you're out. And he said, well, what about the rest of them? And he said, no, they're not out. And he said, then I'm going nowhere. I'm running this church and I'm seeing people saved. I'm a slave for Jesus Christ. I'll do whatever it takes. He stayed with them. He stayed with them for a lifetime. Committed it to him. Hundreds upon hundreds being saved. A church being run underground as he lived best effort sacrificially relaxing in his God whenever God saw fit and he laid it on the line for his king. He presented himself before God and said, this is my spiritual act of worship. What do you want done, Lord? And um, how about you? What's God calling you to? And uh, probably it won't involve pirates, right? And so that's a good news. And, and what's God calling you to? And where is he asking you to be? And and what best effort might you be pouring in and with balance and with sacrifice that your king might be glorified? Worship. Present yourselves as living sacrifices. That's our first call. All right. Second. Walk. Walk. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And uh, it says in verse 2, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, uh, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Do not be conformed to this world. Do not be conformed. Now, 
This word literally means do not have the external shaped while the internal isn't changing. That's what the word conform means. It's like you kind of look like it on the outside, but inside it isn't going anywhere near that. Like if you're a believer, if you trust in Jesus Christ, can you do me a favor? Paul talking here. Can you do me a favor? Will you please stop having your outside look like the rest of the world? Time to start living for him, man. No more conformity to this world and their pressures. Thumbs down on that plan. Time for us to start living for our king. And if the world goes, dude, you look really weird. You're probably doing a good job. You might be weird. So be careful with that. But live it out, man. Live it out for Jesus Christ. All right. And if they're saying, I don't get that value system. Praise God. Okay. Your conformity is to Jesus Christ. You want him doing a work. And in fact, so he uses a different word there. He says, be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Transformed like inside and out changed. God, take over in my soul. Do what you want to do, Lord. And uh, we're told 2 Corinthians chapter 3, 16 to 18. How does the transforming happen? It is by his glory pouring over you. The Spirit's glory pouring over you changes you. That's why it says, be transformed. See, it's in the passive form. Let it happen to you. You getting that? Let it happen to you. In other words, stop muscling it. You're not going to get there. Like, dude, I am so going to transform myself. This year, I will absolutely be different because I will. Are you hearing that? And everybody does that on New Year's Eve. And by the fifth week, Gold's Gym has opened up again with space, right? And uh, be careful. The muscle in it plan only goes so far. We found somewhere between five and seven weeks, typically. That's what we're finding as we work with people and counsel with people. You can usually tell. We ask them to wait eight to 12 weeks as they're working through this. And we'll be able to tell if they muscled it or if God's doing a thing. You start to get out to three and four and five months of continuous change. And God's doing something, man. It's hard to hold that together. And uh, But we can fake a lot of things. We can even try to be conformed to the church's viewpoints and to what God says in the scriptures. And, and man, that's a bad plan too. And uh, Lord, help me to be transformed not conformed. May your glory pour over me. And uh, how do we do that? Time in his word, encountering him. Time worshiping him, exalting him. And then time getting invested in what he sees fit to engaging for him. That encounter, exalt, engage, man, it will put you in the middle of the glory of God and he will do a work. Be transformed. Okay? Be transformed. By the renewing of your mind. You hearing it? By the renewing of your what? Mind. Yeah. Mike, just turn to your neighbor and say, it's all about the mind. Yeah. You'd be amazed how many of you talk to the back of someone's head just now. <laughs> they turn the other way and you're like, all right, it's all about the mind. I don't know. I said it. There you go. And right in. And uh, renewing your mind. And uh, in other words, right thinking leads to right actions leads to right feelings, okay? Right thinking leads to right actions, leads to right feelings. That's the way it goes. And and the it's the train drawing, if you've seen that train, right? And the thinking is your engine. It's driving it. And the middle cargo is your actions, all right? And, and then the end point is the feelings. It's the caboose. It comes along for the ride. So be careful 
if you get too heavy in evaluating your feelings and on whether or not you want to be doing something, you're looking at the caboose, not the engine. Right thinking is what gets it done. Lord, help me have your value system. Help me have your perspective. Lord, help me see it as you see it. Right thinking. Renew my mind. May I want what you want. May I hate what you hate. And may I get it as you get it. Right thinking. It comes from time in his word. It comes from challenging yourself with his word and allowing it to be the authority in your life, not you and your feelings. Right? If you caboose it, you will often be saying, that's not how I feel. Be careful. You're looking at the wrong end of the train. Lord, help me to be renewed in my mind. Okay? And, uh, all right. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. You may discern what is the will of God. Did you know that? You can know what the will of God is. You're like, I never knew that. I thought this was a mystery and I wandered around aimlessly trying to look like I knew what I was doing. And when people said, is this the will of God? You're like, oh yeah, sure. That's how I thought it went down. And I never knew this. I can know the will of God. I can discern the will of God. Are you kidding me? And you'd be amazed how many times as we're going through the prayer registers and we as a staff go through those. There's also a team on Wednesday mornings that goes through them. And how many times people are asking for guidance and direction, which is great. I'm all over that. I'm excited about that. Anytime you need that, please be putting that in the prayer registers. We're good with that. All right. We'll pray with you. Often when I'm writing a card to that person, I'll end up writing Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 as a part of it. That's a great three step for discerning the will of God. Let's make sure we've got God's word and God at the center of our discernment. And so what are the three steps? Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 for discerning the will of God. Uh, First is trust the Lord. It says trust in the Lord with all your heart. Trust the Lord. Hard to trust him when you don't know his character traits or don't believe him. So it's Lord, who are you and what do I believe about you? Trust the Lord. Uh, Second, lean not on your own understanding. Uh, admit you don't have it all, right? Lean not on your own understanding. And third, in all your ways, acknowledge him. Like, I'm going to live this for you first, Lord. And each step I take is, Lord, what do you want done here? I want it for your glory and your honor. And make sure you're living humbly and obediently that he might be glorified. And you will be able to discern the will of God, right? It says, and he will direct your paths. Okay, huge deal. Everybody say, that's a big deal. That's a big deal, all right? And uh, so trust, lean not, and acknowledge always, right? And I just wrote these phrases down. What's it look like to trust? It's you saying this. Lord, you have this. God, you have this. That's my quote. How do I know I'm trusting? Because I'm like, you've got it. And uh, lean not on your own understanding. I barely get this. That's the quote. I barely understand what's going on. And uh, third one, in all your ways, acknowledge him. I'm following you on this one. And he will direct your paths. Okay? That's what it looks like. It says what is uh, good and acceptable and perfect. That's God's will. What is good and acceptable and perfect. What is good, it supports truth and justice. His righteousness is at hand. Acceptable. It's pleasing to God's character of awesomeness. Right and perfect. It works with the big picture in a way we don't get. 
So you have to hear that one. When we see perfect, we're like, dude, you don't know the circumstance I'm going through. And it doesn't seem very perfect. In fact, it seems very broken. And please take a deep breath on that one and hang on. Because God knows things we don't know. And that's the biggest moment where we're checked on does God have it? Do we trust him? Huge moment. May God be glorified as we lean on him, as we allow him to renew our mind and transform us by his glory, not by our effort. And we see amazing things being done. Transformation. This past week uh, was a watershed moment week in the Harkness home. Uh, We took Megan to college and dropped her off for the first time. Dude, that is not a fun time. Uh, there's a lot of emotion that goes into dropping your child off at college for the first time. Like you spend a lot of years of your life trying not to lose that kid. And now you're walking into a place and you're like, okay, see, ya, I'm leaving you. It's a weird moment. And as we're driving away, it's very surreal to watch her walking into the building as we're pulling out. And um, there were uh, a good number of tears spent that day. Pretty much none by Megan, actually, I noticed. Yeah. She was having a good time. She's ready to go. And uh, you know what? That girl is ready to rock. We're excited for her. And she has got a great walk with the Lord. And she is uh, just ready to go in so many ways. We're excited for that. We want to see her grow. We're sad to see her go. And um, transformation. It is about wanting to see people grow. It is. It is exciting to see them grow in Jesus Christ. And my passion as I look out and see your guys' faces and connect so many eyes and smiles along the way is I'm excited to see you becoming more like Christ as God does an amazing work in your life. And uh, there was a moment where I took Meg by the hands right before the end. I said, look at me, babe. She looked up and I said, honey, with all I've got, hear me on this statement. Do not be conformed to the world. I don't care what they say or how cool they look. Be done with that. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's why we're excited for you to be here. That you can grow to be more like Christ. That you can be an amazing spiritual worship of your God. That's our prayer. And uh, right after that, I said, uh, all right. All the Harknesses line up. High five time, Meg. You're out of here. We got to get out of here without a tear. So here we go. We all lined up high five. She's running fast. All right. High five, high five, high five. She's walking past. I turn around. I'm like, you got your keys, right? She's like, yeah, but I don't have my phone. I'm like, not instilling confidence, babe. We end up having to go back over and find her phone at a, at a place she had left it. We got her and then dropped her off there and And uh, look, I'm telling you, it may hiccup start along the way even, but God does do an amazing work of growth. Amen? Amen. Are you ready to walk with your God and be transformed? Are you ready? It's time for him to be glorified and him to be worshiped. All right? Okay. Third. Here we go. Work. Work. Let me see if I can turn my page. Work, serve him in your church as you use the gifts that God has uniquely given you. Serve him as you, uh, or serve him in your church as you use the gifts God has uniquely given you. 
And uh, this third piece of work, it's three of the W's out of our four, right? There's work that's addressed here, worship, walk, and work. And so we're going to talk about those today. Work, it says, for the, by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. Paul's like, by the grace given to me. Like, God has poured this into our lives, and I am absolutely convinced I am moved along the path by God to say to you, that's what Paul's saying, like, this is a big deal, you need to hear it, challenge from God, right? Uh, Don't be so proud. Humble yourself. Stop thinking more highly of yourself than you ought. Isn't that well stated? It's not stop thinking about yourself. Okay, that's, everybody say that's a bad plan. You're going to need to think about yourself. You do. You have to consider some things along the way or you will be rather unkempt, right? It's good stewardship to consider yourself more highly than you ought. Ah, there's the catch. Stop thinking of myself as the most awesome being in the universe and everything is about me, right? When I enter the room, the first consideration I have is, and how is this affecting me, Right? Those are the moments that mess us up more highly than you ought. Like, Lord, may I see myself properly in perspective. You in charge, you're over it all. And what you deliver out is what it should be. God, may I make as little about me as possible. Care for me in the moment, but care for those around me. And all of God's people said, humility, man. It won't happen without it. Humility. And uh, he says, but to think with sober judgment each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. But to think with sober judgment, right? We know that word sober. The opposite of sober is drunk, right? Like you can't really see straight sober. You see it straight. You get the right way of thinking sober judgment. You properly see what God is doing and how he's at work and Sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. I'm telling you this, if you trust in Jesus Christ, God, first of all, has saved you. Second of all, Holy Spirit takes up residence in you. Third of all, he imparts at least one gift to you to say, use this within the church. It's a thing that is supernaturally empowering you. You are supernaturally empowered and brought to your home church. If this is it, then this church, you are brought to your church to make an impact, not for your name, but for his glory. Are you hearing me? You are brought here supernaturally to make an impact for him. That is your spiritual act of worship. And it says, according to that perspective and that gift, because some of you, you're gifted with teaching and some of you, you're gifted with helps and some of you, you're gifted with exhortation and some of you with mercies and you're all going to have different perspectives and every one of you seeing facets of the church you could pour into and people you could come alongside and just hear me. There isn't just one view. There are many, many views. And it's according to the uniqueness of that gift that he's calling you to have these perspectives. All right. Now he gets a little more clear on that. He says, for as in one body, we have many members and the members do not all have the same function. And he literally means here as in one body, like my body. Right. And we're not just one thing, not just one big giant leg, not just one big hand, one giant eye. 
right? We have all these different pieces that are moving together and they're members, they're parts of one body and they work together to make something happen. And I'm telling you, if I have hands that are fighting with each other, I get taken to a psych ward. You hearing me? And yet somehow in the body, we're like, that's totally normal. Just uncork it, man. And we got people fighting with people. We're missing it, right? And he says, there is one body, many members. And uh, do not, um, he says, there is one body. We have many members and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. Individually members one of another. Unity. Unity. You are the church. The body of Christ. You are the church. Go ahead and just say, I am the church. You are the church. And so when someone says, the church isn't caring for me. Somehow we translate that and we're like, leaders aren't. And we just missed it. You are the church. We are members one of another. And we have responsibility to care for one another. And uh, even in the toughest of times and in heartache. And uh, I mean, yesterday was a, um, a tough day with Joel. And uh, we don't know what's going on and we'll find more out today. But Joel Stanfield and attends this church and had a heart attack of sorts. We, maybe way more. We don't know what's going on. And doctors have him in ICU and they're just trying to stabilize. And family was there all afternoon and evening. And we had different pastors rolling in and elders rolling in. And, and uh, tons of people from the body that are part of knowing them and their family together. And I'm telling you this, it is not one person that cares for all. Are you hearing me on this one? Please hear me. This is not one person up front or whatever that does this. this. That's a joke. This says there is one body, many members, and we are members one of another. And all of God's people said, Amen. we are responsible to care for one another. We have each other's backs. We will care. We will come alongside. We will work in a partnership. We all together will make this thing happen. That's God's plan, man. And it's a great plan for unity. And uh, it says, the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ, individually members one of another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Let us use them. God has given you a gift and God has given the guy next to you a different gift. And the two of you might have a different perspective on overall church, but the perspective we come to together as we unify, that's God's perspective. Not one-sided or one part, but all of us together in unity. It says, let us use the gifts. Man, you are needed for God to be glorified in this place. You are called to be a part of this church and rock it for your king. He has empowered you to make an impact. We are one body, many members, and you are a part of that worship. May this body absolutely come unglued with caring for one another and for our God and his glory. That's our job. That's our responsibility. And uh, individually members one of another having gifts that differ. And uh, just so you know, some of you um, don't see it through the perspective or eyes of another. And, uh, you know, the teaching person might want somebody to grasp the truth. And the mercy person might want them to just feel cared for. And 
both of those are right. One of those is not wrong. But if we make the other party wrong, then we're causing problems, right? If you try to get true with them, mercy heart, right? Or if you try to care for them, we just have to get the truth out and uh, be careful. These gifts can go awry, man. We need each other in partnership to hear from one another and care best for one another. And uh, everybody just say it again. I am the church. Just turn to the person next to you and say, I am the church. Now look back at them and say, you're the church. That's a fact, man. Welcome to the church, caring for one another. All right. Now he goes into a couple things here. We'll just go through these gifts real quickly. But it says um, some gifts that differ. He says, if prophecy in proportion to your faith and service and your serving and your teaching, uh, those who teach and your teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in his generosity, the one who leads with his zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. This is a list of some of the gifts. There are other gifts listed in 1 Corinthians 12 and 14. There are others listed in uh, Ephesians 4. And that list together gives us a whole list of all the gifts, all right? And just so you know, notice this. It talks about the gift and then the heart behind the gift, okay? And some of them, they're like almost exactly the same. Like uh, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who serves in his serving. So like you can have a heart to serve and you serve, right? You can have a heart for people to know the truth, teach. And so you teach. And uh, those are great. Prophecy. We might hear that word and think it means just to tell the future. And uh, that might be a part of it. But actually the word literally just means to tell the truth. Forthrightly tell the truth. It could be about the future. It could be about the present. It could be about who God is. Prophecy to tell forth. And it says in your faith. In other words, please don't be getting out there trying to correct people and tell them what they need to know about God when you aren't even sure you believe it yourself. Man, have a heart of faith going after it. And you'll be amazed at how it changes your ability to help others. And uh, he says here a few others in exhorting. That's like challenging them and, and encouraging them. And uh, the gift of exhortation there, right? It says one who contributes in his generosity. Like giving can be a gift, a spiritual gift that doesn't let the rest of us off the hook from giving. We're all called to give, but some give just lavishly over and above. God has given them the gift of generosity, pouring it on for others that God might be glorified. And uh, he even says at the end here, and the one who leads in his zeal, it doesn't say the one who leads in his leadership. It says the one who leads in his zeal. And uh, did you know that? Good leaders have zeal. And uh, often... You hear the word zealous and you think maybe negatively of it. Uh, passion for seeing it done the way God wants it done. Good leadership. All right. And uh, then he says at the end here, for the one who has mercy, cheerfulness. Did you know that? A mercy heart is a cheerful heart. And uh, be careful, mercy hearts. Uh, if you come alongside of someone and you lose your cheerfulness, you're losing the very thing God's called you to have a heart for cheerful in what God can be and coming alongside and putting your arm around the one who is hurting and helping be there for them, crying with those who cry, weeping with those who weep, but yes, wanting to see them grow as well. And a huge deal. Those are just some of the gifts listed. And uh, here's the simple challenge to you. What does God have you here for? What has he called you here for? I'm just going to ask the ushers. We've got a card. Remember this card? 
For those who've been around for a while, we've got a card. We're going to be passing this card down every row. Here's what we're asking. Every single person take a card. Who should take a card? Every single person take a card. I don't come to this church. Take a card. Okay. Every single person take a card. It'll just help you understand what's going on. These cards will come down the row. Every single person take one. Ushers, go ahead. You can start passing right away while I talk. And um, here's my request. This is a work for Christ card. This is like a, hey, I'm not serving anywhere in the church. And I would like to have a chance to plug in. Now, if you're already serving somewhere, you don't have to fill this out. Just hold on to a blank card. Why am I taking it? Every single person take a card. All right. Just hold on to a blank card, all right? But if you do want to get serving somewhere, if you are interested in jumping in, if God has you in this place as your church home and you're not serving, it's time for us to find out what God has for you. Spiritual act of worship, engaging and working for Christ, all right? That's our job. And so here's my request. I need you to be able to figure out where you want to serve, And what you want to do and what that can look like. All right. So you put your name and contact info on the top. There's one big giant box on the top. I am willing to serve. You're like, dude, I don't want to make a decision. I'm terrible at decisions. Just check the I'm willing to serve. Okay. Just check that box and you can go after it. And uh, we'll call you up and we'll figure out a spot for you. Otherwise, if you want to get more detailed down at the bottom here, we've got some more spots. The far left column. Everybody hearing me now? The far left column is the highest needs. So if you're looking to be used in the highest needs, we really could use you. Uh, notice there are a lot of children's ministry. Our children's programs are growing like leaps and bounds. And we're excited about it. Uh, we've got some needs on higher ground on Sunday morning. There are some adult interaction pieces with the children's team. You can interact with adults uh, coming in and help check in. Uh, and then there are some children interaction ones. Just look through those. Check out what you want to check. All right. And uh, feel free to do that as you go. The middle is kind of the middle needs. And the far right is probably our least needs. We've got a couple needs in each of those categories. My request to you is this. Everybody listening? My request to you is this. Figure out where God has called you to serve. It's time for us to get you there. All right? So we're just going to take a few minutes with the music playing. Consider what you want to check and fill out. I'm going to ask you to turn this in as you're exiting. Okay? And uh, filled out or not, you're going to hand it to an usher on your way out, okay? So please fill it out now if you want to be serving. We want to get you plugged in. It's time for God to get you where he wants you to be. It's time for you to be spiritually serving your king wherever he's called you to be. So help check those boxes and we'll get that in place. Here's my request while people are considering that. Just take some time to pray with your God now. Thank him for who he is, for his plan of unity, his plan of humility, and our call to worship, walk, and work. Lay it before your king. And keep filling out those cards if you need to, all right?
know some of you are just getting cards. That's okay. No hurry. We'll take just an extra minute or two here. Absolutely want you to be able to fill this out. filled out a card and you still want to that's great just keep filling it out okay that's cool we're just going to be closing down the service to be able to respect time a little bit too but uh, please take time to fill this out absolutely want to get you plugged in hear me on this one as we start out Romans 12 we have a God who has laid it on the line for us gospel deep it is so awesome who our king is And as he pours into our lives, may we worship him and go vertical with him with all we've got. Hear me now. And may it spill to the streets as we care for one another. May our God be cared for and worshiped and glorified as we care for one another. It is not the job of someone else to care for a need I see. God's calling me to get engaged if I see the need. And all of God's people said... Time for us to worship our King in our spiritual act of worship. Why don't you stand with me as we close?